Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here. I'm joined by John Bruce, who's a pastor here. We're both here. We're both pastors. This is a podcast. Dad, how you doing? Now that you've clarified it, I'm doing great. I know who I am and where I am. (laughs) Had some angst about that otherwise. So, yeah. So this will be our our final podcast for a while here. I mean, we take a lot of hiatuses on this podcast, but I'm going on vacation, then you're going on vacation. So have about a four or five week break here. and then We should call it the hiatus podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Well, today we're going to continue our series on the habits of healthy community. The habits of healthy community. The church is not an add-on to the Christian life. It's not an optional feature, something we can take or leave. No, the church is God's new community. It's the context in which discipleship happens. It's where we live the Christian life. And this is why, and I hope you've come to see this if you've been listening, an isolated Christian is an oxymoron. Being a Christian apart from the church is like being a son apart from your parents, or being a wife apart from your husband, or being a quarterback apart from your football team. It's nonsensical. Our identity as Christ followers is integrally connected to our identity as God's people. We are children of the Father. We're members of Christ's body. We're stones in the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God saves us into this community so that we would have a shared life that showcases his reconciling power to the world. What that means is that there is much at stake in our relationships with each other, and it's critical that we get these relationships right. We learn how to live in healthy community with each other. How do we do that? That's the question we're trying to answer, and we're using Romans 12 to do it. Paul gives us this template, this blueprint for healthy community in Romans 12, and we're working through each of his imperatives and uh, thinking through together the implications of what they mean for our life together. So, Dad, in our last episode, we talked about genuine love, what it means to love without hypocrisy, what it means to pursue good and hate evil in our pursuit of authentic love. Now, in verse 10, Paul expands on what genuine love looks like in Christian community, and he says that a culture of love is really a culture of honor. Verse 10, the NASB says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Give preference to one another in honor. The English Standard says it this way, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So a culture of love is a culture of honor. Dad, thoughts on this? Yeah, it's an interesting verse, and I don't know if I will take it the same way place you take it, but uh, it'll be interesting where we go. I, he had just talked, Paul had just talked about loving one another in the, in the verse before, but I think here he uses a different Greek word for love, and he uses the, the Greek word for uh, family love, brotherly love, uh, which is a warm, affectionate love for a family member. And giving preference means to take the lead in and to initiate mm-hmm. in giving honor to other people, almost to compete in it, outdo. And so I'm putting those two things together. It seems to me he's saying that a a healthy community is an affectionate community and an appreciative community. That's kind of what what I came up with that from that. 
Yeah, the the word the the agapao root the agape is is what shows up in the verse before. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, the family language really comes out here, um, loving one another with tender sibling affection, something like that. Actually, both words for love here have that philo root, the mm-hmm. the family love root. So it's a it's love one another with a family love. Right. Is is the idea there and I think the ideas of affection, warmth, tenderness. Yeah. really shine through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so why would that kind of of uh uh atmosphere, environment be essential uh for developing a real New Testament community? Yeah, I think we have to go back to the metaphors for the church or the dominant images and the dominant image of the church in the new testament is family yeah yeah brothers and sisters that term i think paul refers to christians that way 269 times something yeah. like that most, most common word for christian is brother sister. right yeah. And and Jesus certainly defines the church that way. That was his dominant image, yeah. um, and that's where Paul got it. Yeah. And yeah. and so if that is the case, and it's more than just a quaint metaphor, but a real description of the kind of community Jesus is building, then that changes the way we look at love in this community. Yeah. It's not going to be a cold, altruistic love. It's not going to be a dutiful love. It's not going to be a patriotic love, like love of country or something right. like that. Right. It's a family love right. because we've put into those, we've been put into those kind of intimate relationships with each other. And so that's instructive for us. Um, we can ask in a biological family, okay, what makes, what's the glue that, that keeps the whole thing functioning well? Right or what's the oil that keeps the thing yeah. functioning well that that smooths things out, and um, you know I would say a warm a tenderness um, is really key. Yeah, yeah. Now I was I was saying about this when I became a Christian. It was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in college, and and it happened because the girl I had dated for years it up at home. Uh, had become a Christian, and so she started dragging me along to these college fellowship meetings. And uh, and I, even though I'd been raised in the church, I could see immediately they had something that I didn't have. And um, within a, several weeks of, of attending, I asked Christ to come into my, my life, and, and, and my life began to change radically. But I, as I thought back, one of the big parts of that change was that fellowship group, mm-hmm. because I, I was— really socially active. I was in a fraternity. I had lots of friends and stuff like that, but I'd never been in a group like this before. And it was, there was a sense, even though I was the new guy, I was the outsider. I was, uh, I didn't know anybody. There was a real sense of affection there. There was just, especially toward the, the, from the couple that led it, who really became my disciples. But there was also a sense that they really, everybody was really appreciative that I was there, that there was not a sense of competitiveness or, or you need to be in your place, but there was a real sense of being built up, and I never experienced that before. I, it was like the old song uh, from from the, the series Cheers, you know, that that everybody knows your name mm-hmm. and everybody's glad you came, and that's that's the way I felt there. And I think that that family accepting and even appreciating atmosphere was what really spurred my growth on, because I'd never uh, that the the break 
between my old life and my new life was such a, a clearly profound thing because I had a group that reinforced everything I was that was happening to me inside. I felt God's love from the group I was around. Now, unfortunately, a, a lot of people find that kind of atmosphere more common to a neighborhood bar than they do to to the average church. But I think what it, it what it is saying is that's why this is so important to, to be in that uh, f- that that New Testament community is a very affectionate community, and it's a very appreciative community. Yeah. Yeah, greet one another with a holy kiss. A lot of these commandments assume a kind of holy affection yeah. for, for other people. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can debate how far to take that in our, uh, you know, interactions. But the point is, it's assumed that, that, that these are people you delight in. And it's really rare to find people who just are so excited and delighted to see you yeah. and to have you present. Yeah. I think most groups, as they start, are any... So many social interactions you go into, people go in with their guard up. Yeah. The guard is up, and they are going to be slow to dispense praise, affection, enthusiasm for you. They're going to be quicker to criticize, um, uh, to, to be sarcastic, cynical, jaded. Yeah. Um, they're more self-interested. Um, and, and, and the church should be the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you know, the, the minute you walk in, you should feel like the most important person there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I heard one guy describe it as, as, as imagining every person is an, an ice cube with a cherry inside. Mm-hmm. And to get to the cherry, you have to melt the ice. Right. And, uh, and I think if you see people like that, people are interesting. But you have to be able to, to, to melt the, the protection, the self-defense the shell around them to get to the good stuff, to get to the core. And, and so you have to take the lead in that. Right. Yeah, and, and that gets to the idea of outdoing one another in giving honor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tough phrase to translate. It's something like going first in honoring or something mm-hmm. like that. With respect to honor, go first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's the exact opposite of the culture yeah. uh, where Rome is an incredibly status-conscious culture. Uh, where it was virtuous to seek honor for yourself, yeah, uh, and to work up the honor totem pole, and and Paul flips it completely on its head and, and and say go first in treating other people as if they are of higher status than you, exactly, um, a, a, as if they are are more significant, right? If they're a, as if they are higher ranking, and that regardless of what rank you hold in society or the church, treat people that way. And, and it's really the parallel of Philippians 2, 3 through 4, right? Of do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Yeah. Um, this is how you count others as more significant than yourselves, is by showing honor. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to believe it. I mean, you, you've got to, you, it can't just be something you're acting out, but you've got to believe this person is, is more important than me. This person deserves honor. And, and I want to show them honor because they're create they're loved by God. They're created by God. Yeah, and maybe that's a good place to go in the conversation because I think we've all met people who are really nice and seem just fake. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they are overbearing in their niceness. Yeah. And, and, and you that will cause your defenses to go up. Yeah. Because you think, what are they hiding? Or yeah. what do they really think? I can't read this person. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there really is an art to being genuinely kind and interested in other people. Um, 
and it's something the Holy Spirit has to create in you, right? This isn't just a uh, uh, some kind of social trick or, or, or tactic. Yeah. And so I guess that's the question is, if you want to grow in this, how do you grow in it without coming across as sort of um, fake nice? Yeah. yeah. O- overbearing in your niceness in a way that's off-putting to people where you think, hey, this doesn't seem genuine. This isn't genuine love, yeah. going back to verse 9. Yeah. Well, you got to be genuine, um, first of all. I think, I, well, good. Let's move on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be I, I fake. Gonna, I think one of the, the differences about between flattery and honest praise or honest giving is, is who is it for? Yep. Because when we flatter, we're doing it in our own self-interest. When we praise, we're doing it to genuinely encourage the other person. So I think searching our own heart and making sure the reason I'm saying this is to encourage this person right. to, to uh, let them know what I really think about them rather than trying to gain some advantage over them. And that just, I think people pick that up. They'll pick up the motives pretty quickly when a person is just a vain flatterer and as Proverbs said, is spreading a net for your feet, um, and a person is honestly encouraging and giving honor. Yeah, there's a close connection between flattery and partiality. That yeah, that yeah. that that the people that we want praise from are the people that we want uh, to be impressed with us are people that we try to affirm, acknowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and so that's another gut check here in terms of creating that culture. Is is it just the people? who um, I want to like me, you know, I, I just want the praiseworthy of the praise versus, no, I really um, am generous with the way that I praise others. And I actually look for the people who are overlooked yeah. um, and yeah. seek to affirm and honor them, because that's the kind of culture that Paul is talking about here. Yeah. And if you're intentionally doing that, you're not going to come across as fake. Right. If, if you're looking for the unseen people here. Yeah, and that's a great point. No, I, are we equal opportunity honor givers? Um, right. We, we give honor to everyone because mm-hmm. that's what we're commanded to do. Right. Rather than trying to do it for our own, our own benefit. And that's yeah. good. That's real good. Yeah. No, I, I, I love, I love that it's a competition. That's, yeah. that's my favorite thing about this. <laughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. It's just, you know, any, any social setting we go into in church is thinking, man, I'm going to dominate that guy in encouragement. I'm yeah. just going <laughs> to. I'm going to encourage them way more than they're going to encourage me. And if, if everyone went into a Christian community with that kind of mindset, it would it would be incredibly life giving. Yeah, yeah, um, be, it really would. Be, because I, I think on average people are so slow to give out praise, and yet they're starving for it. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a rare competition. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a game that's rarely played. It's a game that's rarely been played, yeah. but it's a wonderful game. It is. It's kind of like disc golf. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's <laughs> it's the best game in the world. It's just no one tries it. So, yeah. but I digress. Yeah. It's kind of like offensive soccer. Uh, <laughs> offensive so- soccer with goals rarely. No, no soccer, rarely try- soccer when they try to score. Oh, when they try. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, oh, but that, anyway. That, um, so then what practically does it look like? I jotted down a few things that me- means to me that, and these are not things that I have mastered, but are things I'm thinking I'm working on. Right. One is, and you've mentioned this briefly, but is to, to really recognize the, the value of greetings and farewells, um, six or seven times. The New Testament says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Right. Like you you need to make, when you first see somebody, a big deal. 
Um, I don't do that. I kind of just ignore people as they come in. But I'm seeing more and more to just go out of my way to acknowledge somebody when they come in and then not just leave, but say goodbye to everybody there. Just that practice, I think, really gives people an honor. It, it, it makes them feel like, wow, you really noticed I was here. You, you really cared that, that I came. Yeah, and, and I would say with that, the, the point of the Holy Kiss is that there should be visible affection among yeah. the people of God. Yeah. Now, that could vary from culture to culture in terms of what things signal, right, yeah. Yeah. in terms of how you do it. But if, if we're going to be on a side of the pendulum in the way we, we greet one another, it should be on the side of affection because yeah. we're family. Yeah. And it's like a family reunion every time that we're together. Exactly. A good family. A good family reunion. (laughs) The kind of family reunion many people have never experienced. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Another thing that I'm working on uh, in this area is to try to stay incurably positive. Um, I I am by nature a problem solver, so I'm always looking for the the problem. I'm always looking for the lack. And so I miss being appreciative uh, and positive about things. I just think of uh, Proverbs 15.4, where it says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, hmm. but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Yeah. And you know when you're around people who are positive, who can always find something to praise, it is life-giving. While you're around somebody who are critical and, and always have to point out what's wrong, it just, it just depletes you. Yeah, and I would say with that, it's not about being fake nice, because no. there's a there's a Pollyannish kind of positivity that drives people nuts, right? Because it's like you're not living in reality, but it's just taking note of the good, yeah, and, and pointing it out and celebrating it is really being a positive person. Yeah. And and I found you know even in our staff meetings, just it's important to celebrate the wins, yeah, yeah, um, because when we evaluate things, it's it's so we could we could be relentlessly critical yeah. in everything we do, but it's really important to to celebrate when things go right. Yeah. I, I think it's just catching somebody doing the right thing. Yep. And then pointing it out. Yep. You know, and, and which means you have to get outside of yourself. You've got to notice things. I I, uh, I spoke on uh, the story from Luke 7 a couple of weeks ago uh, of the, the Jesus having lunch at Simon the Pharisee's house and the woman from the street comes in and, and, and uh, washes his feet with her tears and puts him, anoints him and stuff like that. And rather than being embarrassed, Jesus talks about what a great thing she did. You right. know, just, uh, you know, it's a very unusual thing she did. and would normally embarrass anybody, but Jesus can see the great side of it, mm-hmm. that she has been forgiven much, and so she loves much. This is, this is the way she's expressing love. And yeah. uh, it, it just was a great picture to me of Jesus always being quick to praise when he saw something praiseworthy. Uh, I think another thing is just... Um, and I'm trying to is be honest about how you feel with people. Uh, I was thinking of that verse in Proverbs um, 27.5, better is an open rebuke than love that's concealed. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, what that means is be honest. Be honest in your appreciation of love. Be honest in your correction. Right. But just be open and honest. Is That's what builds community. Rather than having a hidden agenda or being restrained and, 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 and guarded in the things you say. Yeah, there's nothing worse than not knowing where you stand with someone. Right. 
and 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 being open in praise and open in correction yeah is so critical yeah but what that means is that if you notice something praiseworthy you have to point it out exactly you have to say here are the things that i value or admire about you yeah and and i think this isn't bible but it's wisdom <laughs> in and maybe it's even biblical wisdom uh is is that the ratio of affirmation to correction should be high on the affirmation and low on the correction oh yeah that that you need a cadence of affirming, speaking honor into someone, um, speaking value. Um, and that gives you the ability then to speak honest correction um, because there's a context in which to receive it where you you think this is this is love, what this person is doing. I'm going to interpret it as love because I know where I stand with them yeah. and how much they regard me. Yeah, yeah. Which gets back to staying incurably positive. You, if, you, mm-hmm. if you approach people from a positive viewpoint, yeah. yeah. What What's good about this person? What are they doing well? What can I, what can I call attention to in them? Yeah. Um, you will find much more to praise than you will to correct. Hmm. I think that's. Uh, do it. I think it is just in terms of talking about other people to talk about others in a positive light. I think it's really, really. I, I remember good being, gossip. Yeah, yeah. Good gossip, exactly. I remember being in a group years ago of uh, we just thought we were the most spiritual people in the world, and uh, you know we were all wearing our Pharisee hats. Yeah. And uh, I remember being part of that group. Yeah. Uh, I was one of part of one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> and and so we would just sit around and talk about what was wrong with other people and right. stuff like this. And another group came to join us, and 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 they were there for a while. And they were just shocked. They couldn't believe that a Christian group was talking this way, and it was just so good for us to, to see ourselves out from the way other people saw us outside, mm-hmm. that, that you cannot be a warm, affectionate group and talk down other people. Um, it's just it's impossible. You, there can't be gossip and criticism. So it's, it's talking well about other people, what you appreciate, I think, is important. And that's a good caution, too, because it's very easy to outdo one another in dishonor. Yes. And and the gravitational pull is toward that. Yeah. In, in terms of it, it will always be easier to find what's wrong with people and what's wrong with the world in the way that we talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Is that is that your list? Do you well, have one, one other thing I thought about and 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 I don't know if this fits here but <clears throat> I think to have <clears throat> excuse me a a warm family loved group I think you have to cultivate a sense of humor. I, I have never been in a healthy group that wasn't a funny group. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that everybody has a sense of humor, but it just means that everybody can laugh at themselves. Right. That there's 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 not a a reputation to maintain. There's not a status you're protecting. But it's very easy for you just to kind of laugh at the crazy things you do and share them and stuff like that. And 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 so I think that, you know, the cheerful heart is health the whole body. And I, I think that's true of, of for us physically. I also think it's true for us corporately, that the, the more of a happy, fun-loving spirit we have, the healthier the group is. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a group leader in discussions, when they feel free to make fun of me, that's when I know we've hit a certain point as a group of health, right? That if they, could, if they can poke fun at me, that actually assumes there is a culture of honor. Yeah. And a culture of regard, it does. right? It does. It, it, if it's in the right spirit, and yeah. it's actually a bonding mechanism for the for the group. So I, I think that's totally true. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's more, maybe more of an effect of of having that that kind of a culture or that kind of a group. 
Yeah, because yeah, you have to have safety first. You do before you can you can go there and and kind of poke at things and and, and laugh at yourself. Exactly. And all those things. Yeah. No, I I've seen that in the groups I've led. The healthier the group, the more fun we have. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. One I would add is just thanking people. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is a huge part of showing honor. Yeah. Um, that's good. I, I think of Romans one, they did not honor him or give thanks. That the way we honor people, the way we honor God, is by is by showing gratitude for what's done. So, in, in your group, any little acts of service people do, just say, "Hey, thank you for always doing that." Yeah. I just I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, any chance you get to be thankful for someone's contribution, even when you are not the direct beneficiary. You just see their faithfulness in an area. You see, I see how you're serving. I see how you engage people in that. I'm just grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are hugely yeah. important words to say. Yeah, now that's that's a great point. I think that's one of the chief ways we honor people is just by being noticing what they do and being grateful for what they do. Yeah, because honoring and giving thanks is, according to Romans one, is the way we we worship God. Right, uh, and so not worshiping people, but the way we honor people is by, by giving thanks. Yeah. It's good. It's good. You have other tips or? That's all. That's so, all I got for doing. So, so one on the why in building community, mm-hmm. I thought uh, there's a helpful little book by Sam Crabtree called Practicing Affirmation. Mm. It just goes through how to point out really the character of Christ in other people and, and how to do that well, the difference between flattery, but lot, has a lot of practical tips. But he, he has nine reasons to do this mm. that I think are really helpful. Mm. Why affirm others, which is really when we're talking about giving honor. Yeah. It, it's it, speaking affirmation is a critical part of this. But his nine are this. First, uh, affirming others earns us the right standing from which to make suggestions. Mm. So it gives us That's a good. hearing with people. Um, affirmation lifts morale, right? And that gets back to positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, affirmation energizes people. It doesn't just lift their spirits. It motivates them. Um, affirmation of others makes us easier to live with. Um, you think of the the opposite of that. Uh, you know, Solomon warns about the quarrelsome woman who's like a dripping wane. Right. Um, affirmation uh, makes us much easier to live with. Striving to affirm others puts us in the practice of looking at them positively. That is, looking for evidence of God's work in them. Hmm. Um, six, affirmation constructively uses time that could have been wasted complaining. <laughs> and I really like that. Right. If you're being constructive and affirming others, that's time you were not spending tearing other people down or complaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, seven, by commending Christ-like qualities and celebrating them when we spot them, affirmation showcases the character of God, giving him honor for being the kind of God he mm. is. And mm. I really like that point, that it is a way to worship God. We really can't honor God if we don't honor what we see of him in others yeah. as image bearers. Yeah. Um, eight, behaviors that are rewarded and celebrated are more likely to be repeated. <laughs> Right, and he says that's kind of psychology 101. But yeah, what gets rewarded yeah. gets repeated. And nine, when we commend God's image in people, God is glorified, and that's mm. why we were made to glorify God. So I think uh, good. those are very motivating to me to just yeah. be intentional and deliberate about pointing out things in others that I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I used to think that people who were positive all the time weren't living in reality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I, and I would compliment myself for being a cynic. And at least I'm living in reality. And what I've come to see is actually people who are positive are living in reality because they really are believing in the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God and looking for the evidence of God in the world and who God is and yeah. call, and calling attention to that. Um, yeah, and 
And positivity is not put in opposition to grief, lament, no. <laughs> righteous anger, all of these other things in the Bible, but there is a command and an expectation that we will focus on the good. Yes. Whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is just, is pure, think about these things. Right. Um, right. And, 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 and so it's critical to having peace and to having hope that God is at work. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Good. Well, thanks, Dad. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, enjoy your vacation, and thank you for all the hard work you do around here. <laughs> you deserve this vacation. Okay. It is your due. I honor you for the work you do around here. I thought you were going on vacation. I am. I, <laughs> I'm going on vacation very soon. Well, thanks for being the best pastor in the world. <laughs> in fact, not I only feel in the as world, though you are spreading a in, net for my feet right now. In his, <laughs> the greatest pastor in history oh, of the world. All right. Well, I um, I won't stop you and uh, <laughs> that affirmation, but hey, right back at you, buddy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, thanks. And thank you, listeners. Um, appreciate you and appreciate you listening. And uh, we will be back again with you soon. 